Welcome to Bring on the Mess, a show where we have real conversations about how to embrace life's messiness and how we find ways to show up and uncover our true selves. I'm Beth Ann Dorman, the CEO at For All Seasons. And I'm Lisa Lee, the Chief Clinical Officer here at For All Seasons. You know, today we're going to be talking about friends, and I was just thinking about the You've Got a Friend in Me, the song from Toy Story. We should have had that in the background. I don't know if that's allowed or not, but I was just thinking, You've Got a Friend in Me. And now that brings up Stand By Me, which was another classic friend movie. Um, Yeah, some good classics. But today, um, in all seriousness, we we thought we would talk a little bit today about friendships and how we discuss friendships with our children and how we see friendships evolve and you know we all have different levels of friends in our lives and it's just a topic that we really felt like could give us some great reminders and also walk down some different roads about some of the challenges and Lisa and I have a the opportunity to not only be great friends but be colleagues and have kids similar ages and sometimes you just need the reminder that your child is not the only class clown or the only bad <laughs> child in the classroom or not the smartest kid in the class or maybe is the smartest kid. And sometimes as a parent, I just need a reminder that I'm not on this island by myself. <laughs> well, you and I had this conversation before the podcast started and you had said something about something your son had said. And I was like, oh my gosh, thank goodness I am not the only parent right. whose <laughs> child does something like that. Because every time I look at my phone and I see St. Michael's like on the call right. I'm like, oh gosh, what is this phone yes. call going to be? <laughs> um, and I remember that uh, I answered it. And um, I think a couple days before it was like one of those calls that you don't want to have. And mm-hmm. then this was a call that the, I think it was the vice principal said, oh, I just wanted to let you know your student had done something really well. I'm like, woo! Yes. And I like, you know. There is that moment when the phone rings from the school where you see it come across your phone and you I don't know, it's like the internal brace yourself for absolutely. what's going to be said. Oh, absolutely. And I don't know, I I, I mean because I don't know other people's experiences or other parents' experiences, but you know, as a clinician too, it gets doubly hard if my child is making poor choices in school and it is such a shame trigger for Mm -hmm. me and so I have to be super aware of being in the conversation with the school personnel and then not wanting to like go after my child when they come (laughs) home because I feel so shameful so I I know for myself I have to work really hard at you know that's my stuff that's not their stuff you know they're kids they make mistakes so they do they do and I think there's a you know, we have um, middle school kids, and um, I also have a high school child, and it, it doesn't get any easier. The problems just get a little bit more complicated once you get into the high school realm. But you also live in this space as parents where we want our kids to fit in. We want our children to have friends. Um, my 12-year-old thinks that his job in life right now is to just be social in school. And he has forgotten that there that there's a lot of learning that has to go on. But we also came from a situation where he switched schools this year. Mm-hmm. And now our kids go to school together. And, um, you know, last year he was sort of having a hard time finding his place. And so you want to celebrate the fact that he's sort of established himself in this amazing friend group and is kind of like a big man on campus, but he is like the class clown and the social butterfly. And so you want to celebrate the great things, but also contain and say, you need to get your stuff together. 
And then on the other end of it, he's on the honor roll. So how can I really complain? <laughs> right, right, right. You know, both my boys love playing sports and, you know, socializing as well. And I think academically things come a little bit easier or maybe it's not even just academically because actually both of them do really well. It's, I think, the ability to stay focused mm-hmm. and on the, the, the right track mm-hmm. because... Last year when Tristan was in sixth grade and Max is now in sixth grade, you know, he was he was doing some of the same things, but he knows, I think, how to work the system right. <laughs> a little bit differently yeah. than my younger one. And so there's always that having to balance because, I, you know, for me, as I hear you talking, it's really an opportunity to teach skills mm-hmm. for the rest of life. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. And that, it reminds me of a conversation that I had with some of the boys. You know, my house has thankfully become the place where kids go after school and they play basketball and all the boys are involved in teams. And so I, I, on any given day, have between four and five kids in my home, which is exactly where I want them. But when there was a little bit of a, let's call it a kerfuffle yesterday with a couple (laughs) of the kids at school and their teachers which resulted in the phone call home. One of the things I said to the kids yesterday was, you know, you have two options. You all can support one another and continue to encourage bad behavior, or you all can be leaders and you can be modeling the best behavior and supporting one another in good decisions. And I think it's, you know, they're 12. And sometimes I forget that 12 is 12. Right. But there is that opportunity for how are you going to show up in your friend group and how how is your friend group going to show up for the rest of the class and maybe set the model versus getting in trouble. There's so many things that I want to tangent off on with this. So one reminder, particularly middle school, and so we we will also talk about other ages, but particularly middle school is finding self, Mm -hmm. right? And so when you bring up friend group, that is so huge because friends are a huge influence in behavior at school. Mm -hmm. And So I love that you're saying, like, we could do it this way or that way because they, I I know for me, one of the struggles is, like, I don't like this particular teacher or I'm struggling with this particular class. and Or why do I have to learn this? Because I'm never going to use it. (laughs) Which, you know, and here's the reality. You know, I, for me, my strategy is you're right. You're not going to need this later in life unless you're in this profession. (laughs) However... My expectation, and that's the thing that I try to use with all of my kids, is my expectation is this. Mm -hmm. And when they don't meet that expectation, then it's an opportunity to learn and to figure out what are we going to do about it. And that's what, like, I think you gave them that choice. Like, you can go down this path of Mm -hmm. continuing to misbehave, or you guys as a friend group can really model some good behavior. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And I think that's a, that that's a piece where there really is like that balance between wanting your kids to be celebrating that friend group Mm -hmm. and also being able to stay on task because the bottom line is they have to be in school to learn. And so, but I think there's also this piece that you touch on when kids are not jiving with a teacher or mm-hmm. the structure of the classroom is mm-hmm. not what a child needs. You know, those are those are also some of the things that we as parents can advocate for and say, my child needs to be in the front of the room, not be in the back of the room, or my child needs less structure or more structure, depending on how the kids show up in the classroom. 
And then, you know, I also have another middle schooler in a different school who is quiet as a mouse, Mm -hmm. you know, behaves himself. I think he gets a little unruly. But what one child is going to need from me in terms of guidance and parenting is a little bit different from the other. And there's a year and a half age difference between the two of them. So for my 14-year-old, it's a much different conversation than it is with my 12-year-old. And I think that's also we as parents then have to pivot and not assume that what's working for one child is going to work for the other. Right. And I appreciate you saying that because all kids, so no matter what age, have a different temperament. Mm Mm-hmm. Temperament meaning, am I shy? Am I outgoing? Um, am I? Do I have an ability to manage my feelings really well, or do I blow my fuse pretty quickly? Mm-hmm. So that that's temperament. And I know that both of my boys are different in their ability to pay attention in class and stay focused and their level of maturity. Whether it's 12 years old, 13 years old, you know, 10 years, whatever the age is, there's going to be all those differences that as parents we need to consider how we're parenting. And mm-hmm. I, I so appreciate when you say, you have to parent kids differently. Right. And so consequences might be something that's appropriate for one kid, whereas another might just, you might say, I'm disappointed, and that's like rocking that's our world. <laughs> yeah, that rocks our world. And so, yeah, I think, I think, but balance in, yes, it's fine to have fun in school. Mm-hmm. It is still a learning environment. And my expectation is that you're respectful to the teachers. And here's the one conversation I have been having a lot, boundaries, like mm. boundary talk. Mm-hmm what's okay even in the friend group how do you when a tough subject comes up because there was like you know i'm gonna throw this out there like these middle schoolers were talking about kkk Mm. they were talking about religious stuff they were talking about sexual stuff and i want to teach my child that rather than them learning from yes a a, a 11 year old or a 12 year old or a 10 year old because that's where they're getting the information. That point is so important for any of the topics that are tough topics, because if we are uncomfortable as parents having the conversation and we don't have it, Mm -hmm. it's going to come from the internet. It's going to come from the friends. And I don't know if you hear this in your house, but if it's on the internet, it's true. Oh, so, you know, (laughs) so their truth becomes what they're told versus what they hear from us. Right. And I think that's a really important point that you make because those really hard subjects they're curious mm-hmm. but they also can be sort of they can drift into group think before they're understanding the foundation of it all right when my youngest came home to talk about kkk he didn't even know what it was mm-hmm. and didn't realize it was a racial like there's racial stuff that's all involved with that right. and i want to teach him let's let's take a look at what this means and if you go around saying that to people Holy cow, because, you know, he, I did hear him. He was on his little VR headset. Mm -hmm. And, like, there's, like, lots of ages on that because it's, like, very social. Sure. And I heard him say, oh, no, 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 you can't say KKK. That's a really bad thing. And so it made my heart happy. Right. But he wouldn't have known that Mm -hmm. if we wouldn't have had the conversation and it wouldn't got brought up in the household. And I think the other piece that you just brought up that's important is sort of the difference in age groups and how, like, you know, you're mentioning that there's lots of different ages within the VR program or the game that that they're playing. And so we have to also be mindful that if there are a gap in ages and there's older kids hanging out with younger kids, inevitably some of these older conversations, and you know my kids, they're 
I like to think they're G-rated, but I'm learning that they're talking about things. So, you know, my household, our children aren't necessarily blessed to be raised by people who have clinical backgrounds because we talk about it all. Right. And I know all parents are not comfortable talking about it all, but those age gaps sometimes bring in conversations that we're even not ready to right, have. Right. And the way that they talk and the way that they're... You know, you and I were talking before the podcast. If I hear bruh one more time in my house, <clears throat> but that's that's their lingo. And so I appreciate you pointing out the boundaries and the expectations because my boundary is I'm not your bruh. I'm your mother. <laughs> so refer to me as such. And the respect and sort of making sure that we aren't watching older kids having an influence on how our children are showing up. Right. Well, it's funny because we were having this conversation before bed last night and we're going to be integrating a family. And so one stepchild of mine will be um, coming in the household who's seven. And, you know, one of the things we talked about is like, you can't say this kind of stuff. You know, we can talk about topics, but there's certain things that you can't say Mm -hmm. around a seven-year-old that you might say around your friends because these topics can be really challenging Mm -hmm. and inappropriate for, you know, younger ears. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I, I definitely think that that's a huge factor. And I think the other thing is, like they're coming home and they're saying things, but they don't know what it means. Yes, yes. Because it's about fitting in. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, yeah, yeah, all this. But they really don't know necessarily what these topics mean. And they don't know that they don't know. So they're not even in tune with the fact that they're off base. Right. They say it. They don't know that they're out of sort of the realm of what the definition would be. So if we're not self-correcting with them and saying, and, and I'm finding what we are doing a lot of in our house right now is asking, instead of saying, do you know what that means? Here's what it means. Going back and saying, why don't you tell me what that means? Mm -hmm. So that we can get the information first before my husband and I sit down and say, okay, well, here's what it means. No, no, no. It was on the internet. I understand that. (laughs) But here's what it really means. And that is a piece that's really important. So I think one of the things that has been helpful for us also is, and I talk about this clinically with my, the families that I work with too, it's, it's about coaching also. And again, this, this goes for, you know, younger kids to middle school kids to sometimes even grown kids Mm -hmm. about how do we coach or sort of role play conversations with our friend groups and it's a really good learning opportunity to be able to help you know whether kids are you know struggling with ADHD or anxiety or depression or you know just how do I fit in Mm -hmm. is having a conversation about like hey like if your friend said this how could you do that or here's what you might be able to say or do you want to hear what other kids would say Mm -hmm. in those circumstances so there's lots of ways to help kids to figure out how to negotiate friendships. But role-playing and us, our own modeling, Mm -hmm. uh, I think is a huge, huge factor in that. Oh, I think for sure. Because how we respond and how we interact is always something that our children are going to pick up on. And Mm -hmm. so if we can, even in these hard conversations where maybe things aren't going right, if we can be setting up the stage that, we can have a conversation about it versus like screaming and yelling about it and you're just wrong. Mm-hmm. It doesn't teach. We've got to infuse the teaching of, so what does it look like for the next day now that you've had this day where you've had a hiccup? Mm-hmm. How are you going to show up tomorrow? Well, you <clears throat> said something really important, I, I believe, and we talk about this often on the podcast. I don't know if you meant it this way, but here's how I'm interpreting it, which is like we as parents 
need to be mindful of our reactions. Mm -hmm. So whether we're interacting with our uh, spouse, partner, friends. So if I'm having a problem and my kids are seeing how I solve that, they're watching. Am Mm -hmm. I getting escalated? Am I being disrespectful? And also, how am I interacting with my own child or children in a tough situation? Am I escalating? Am I keeping my own cool? So it really starts with, do I have myself together? Yeah. You know, it's funny. We were at dinner last night and my husband is probably the most calm person. He never yells. His whole thing is like, take a deep breath. And one of the kids said to him last night, I I wonder what it would be like to hear you curse because he never, you know, we don't curse in front of the kids and, and, and we obviously are a divorced household. And so one household has a lot of yelling and a lot of cursing and our household is very like calm and Zen. And, and and my child said last night, I'm, you know, there's just never any yelling and I'm just not used to that all the time. And so it really is because even, even in moments where we might be a little bit heightened, it's that whole timeout thing that we talk about, Mm -hmm. you know, timeouts were designed in now our world to like sort of be a punishment, but it really is about like checking ourselves. Mm -hmm. And my husband is excellent at like his own internal brain timeout. So his first thing is take a deep breath. Everything is fine. And and sometimes it's like annoying because he's so calm. Okay, wait. How <laughs> do you it, do that? But okay. it is really good modeling for the kids to know that you can be frustrated, you can be angry, you can disagree, but you don't have to launch into a huge screaming and yelling argument. And if it moves in that direction, how do we as parents pull ourselves back to say, let's take a break? I know you often talk about um, that your kids have sometimes said, hey, mom, I think you need a timeout and they oh, don't yeah, say it disrespectfully sure. no, like they no. are and I really like that I think I'm thinking it was like Max my youngest called me out sort of on something like that recently and I didn't respond negatively I was like yeah you know what you're right buddy thank you let me take a moment because you know, we don't I mean that that's the thing is we don't always get it right as parents yep. and let's say because I I do kind of pride myself on that zen kind of kind of handle mm-hmm, stuff mm-hmm. I think where I struggle as a parent is sometimes I'm not firm enough I'm so like zen like that I'm not necessarily going in to say like there's got to be a consequence or there's got to be something like we have to take it a step further because I'm very much of the mindset I can consequence my kids to oblivion for me it's more about I want them to learn this is just the right thing to do or the wrong thing to do mm-hmm. not because I'm going to get a consequence but because I've hurt your feelings right now I also know that developmentally that comes a little bit later in life so if you have mm-hmm. a four or five year old they're not going to necessarily get that right yeah. away but that Yes, like I, I want to make sure that I'm in the right mind frame and that if I need to, that I could be firm also. Mm-hmm, for sure. While we're walking through sort of the, the topics of friendship, I think it's also important for us to touch on kids who might not have found their friend group and mm-hmm. might be struggling and how we as parents can help our children when maybe they're the kid who's coming home and saying, like, I don't have any friends because that's a reality for kids as they're trying to figure out their pathway in school. Right. Well, and and again, this could be for any age. I think for me, you know, when I'm talking to parents about this in particular, or even my own kids, because there's been struggles in their social relationships at times, or even like looking even back for at adults, life, yeah. right? <laughs> um, you know, it's I I think there is this tendency to go in and fix. Mm-hmm. And what I would encourage people to do is get curious. Mm-hmm. 
And so, like, tell me more or help me understand. And I know that's a little bit more challenging. You have to kind of figure out those words if you're, you know, your five, six, seven-year-old comes home and says, you know, Mommy, I have no friends or Daddy, I have no friends. My voice will be a little bit different. It might be, yeah, tell me more about that or what's going on or even, like, what's that like for you? What's mm-hmm. that experience like? Because I want to I wanna understand their experience and their inner world, yeah. and then we can go to potentially problem-solving. Yeah, and I think while we're talking on that angle of it, one of the things that becomes important for us as parents is being able to find the supportive mom and dad group who can be a support to your child. If your child's acting out and that's why there's no friends or, you know, at one point there were friends and now there's not, there it's really important in that journey while you're working with your child and talking your child through that. There's also the side of how what do you need support-wise as a parent mm-hmm. and making sure that your child is surrounded by the right people who are saying it's okay, you know, things are going to be all right versus dismissing your child or being unhappy and then maybe you know, I think we've all been in situations, and I know I helped a friend where another mom was talking so negatively about her child to her own kid. And so then it got back to the friend group. And so really making sure that if your child is struggling, know who your circle is and don't feel like it has to be the wrong people. So I'm curious. So say more about that. Like the the parent who is struggling you want them to kind of like be able to have the parent group or are you talking about like the kid so tell me more about so what I think for me when I think about kids that struggle sometimes we focus in as a mom and it's about that whole piece of I'm on an island by myself oh, yeah. and so making sure that you have the parent support group around you to be able to say like it really sucks like my kids have no friends and I'm not really sure how to handle it and making sure that if there is negative conversation about your child among a friend group, mm. you know who you can rely on and talk those things through because it can feel super isolating as a parent. Right. Oh, no, absolutely. Because I can't speak for any other parent, but I know that when my child is suffering, that's the worst. Or if they've, like I said, like how we started the podcast, like if they've done something wrong, like sometimes I'm like, oh my gosh, like am I the only parent where my kid's struggling with this? And no, like that's right. not the case at all. Mm-hmm. And, um, and And I will tell you, you know, I never understood until I became a parent, but my mom and dad would talk about, gosh, Lisa, because I played a lot of sports growing up, and so they would talk about these parents that we've met through your group mm-hmm. have been amazing, and I was like, okay, great. What does that, that mean? Thumbs up, mom and dad. <laughs> yeah. But I really do, I, I really appreciate that point um, because there are a lot of really good things that I've learned from other parents mm-hmm. and have felt supported by other parents. And I could have really gone to a dark place, which unfortunately then I could have potentially taken it out of my child. Right, right. You know, so yeah. yes, thank you. That's a that's a very, very good point. And I think one of the things that you do really well and that I look back on several conversations where we may have been talking about a child in common that is in the friend group, you are so good about saying, that's not my experience with that child or mm-hmm. that's not my experience with that parent. And so I think it uh, that's a... It just that comes into mind as we're talking about these struggles and finding the mom group and the and the kid group that sometimes we can be kind of the voice of reason of like, hey, it's not the experience that I've had. And so maybe it helps us take that step back and think, okay, so maybe I'm being overprotective of my kid and I'm not looking at the bigger picture. 
Okay, I, I know we have to start wrapping up. Something <laughs> you just said makes me giggle. Overprotective of our children. I think I'm so guilty of that. Yeah. And so, you know, if we can, I, so I'll just kind of wrap up with mine. Like, if there's skills that you can think about as a parent, one is, again, you know, kind of know where you're at when you're handling a challenging situation. Kind of know what your state of mind is before you're maybe interacting. The other piece that I would say is important is before you go to problem solving, as a like telling your child like what they should do is really try to understand their experience and it doesn't even have to be your child it could be like all the kids are at your house so mm-hmm, right. it could be something like that too so really i would encourage people to understand the experience of that kid that you're with again it could be any age and then you can go into would you like some solutions mm-hmm. here's what other kids have done or let's role play or what do you see in my relationships modeling mm-hmm. So you can go to that after really understanding the kid's experience. Yeah, I so appreciate that. And I think, you know, my my other piece of the conversation would be making sure that we are relying on the teachers and the administrators mm-hmm. as a as a part of the solution because I really as as corny as I thought it was way back when before I had kids of like it takes a village to raise a child, it really does. And Absolutely. so making sure that in the process of building your child's village, you're also building your own so that as we navigate these tough friendships through life because it really is true like we we're talking about our middle schoolers but you know you don't ever stop having challenges with friends and people come and go in your life in different seasons and so it's just a gentle reminder that we don't have to live on the island by ourselves our kids don't have to live on the island by ourselves if we're creating that community and support yeah wonderful so we'll be with you in a couple weeks